Hey there, I'm Aaron Martell. And I'm Ray Zimmer. And welcome to Albumatics, a podcast where we discuss and analyze a musical album of our choice. This episode, we have two guest co pilots joining us on the podcast. First up, we have Mr. Rob Bork. Rob, welcome to the R4 podcast. Horns up. Thanks, Aaron. And <laughs> All right. And Ray. Hey, Don. And also, we have Mr. Dan Maytash here with us. Dan, welcome aboard, man. Yeah, thanks, man. It's great to be here. Glad to be around. Awesome. So on this episode, the four of us are going to have a roundtable discussion on Crimson Glory's 1988 album, Transcendence. Let's start with you, Rob. How did you discover Crimson Glory and this album in particular? You know, Aaron, I, I knew you were going to ask this of me. I really can't remember. I believe I went, I was really big into Queensryche. Um, I think I, I believe I was probably picking up, uh, when I was picking up Race for Order, um, was do with the record counters like dude you ever hear uh crimson glory i'm like no nah. and uh I, I think that's how it was he just like recommended it and i said oh they sound like queens and he's like yeah kind of man i think you really dig it so i i probably at the time bought a cassette and uh played it and never stopped playing it for you know 40 years or whatever whatever it is so i, I wish i had a cool story like Oh, uh, dude, I was with like three hookers and yeah. <laughs> not many of us have stories like that, really. <laughs> Usually somebody either turns you on to it or you stumble across it. So, Dan, how about you? Uh, me, was a uh, Rob mentioned them to me. Uh, I didn't really pay too much attention. I saw it as a CD just sitting in the rack. I mean, just the band name and the album title just really stood out to me. Uh, Crimson Glory, Transcendence. I mean, a lot of the reason I listen to metal is because I, I love mystical and fantasaical imagery. And, I just, and it just goes so perfectly with the style of music. So um, I flipped it over, and I was looking at the song titles, and song titles are literally right up my alley. Lady of Winter, Where Dragons Rule, Eternal World, Mask of the Red Death. And I love music that's also about classic literature, so Mask of the Red Death is like, you know, Edgar Allan Poe. So yeah, I just took it home and uh, was, was jamming it, and yeah, it's like, just, I love, love the guitar work, the vocals, the songwriting. Uh, and then, yeah, the, this album, the album just has like this really cool, mystical, melancholic atmosphere that uh, I didn't even know I wanted. So it, uh, so it instantly became like one of my. It's, it's, it probably, it, it is my all-time favorite album. I, I, I fucking love this album. Awesome, right? You know, I think you brought this band up to me like about maybe a month and a half, maybe two months ago. Yeah, and you're like, you ever hear a Crimson Glory? And I'm like, nah, no, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, Thank you guys for suggesting this one. I'll probably gush about these guys afterwards. But uh, the first time was like two weeks ago I started listening to this album. I'd vaguely heard of Crimson Glory. And I think it was because I saw an article on them in like a metal magazine, probably either like Hit Parader or Metal Edge in the 80s. Had to be something like that. I know I had heard of them, but that's all I can recall of them. I never bought any of their music. So the first time I have ever experienced Crimson Glory in all their glory is in preparation for this podcast at your guys' suggestion. So this is new territory for me, too. On a serious note, happy Veterans Day 2018 to everyone listening. And, yeah, it has to be said. So. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, we, we second that. Yeah. We're both that, veterans ourselves. Yep. We can oh. just fucking listen to albums like this on, on our, our own time, you know? <laughs> it's like because of them, so. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Now I'll spew out some basic facts about this record. And just like you, I get my facts from Wikipedia. Transcendence is the second studio album by American progressive metal band Crimson Glory, released on November 14, 1988 on Road Racer Records in Europe and MCA Records in the U.S. It was produced by Jim Morris and was recorded at Morris Sound Studios, Temple Terrace, Florida. 
There are no chart listings for it as far as I can find. I doubt it even made any charts. And here's the band's lineup card. We've got Midnight on lead vocals, John Drenning on lead guitar, Ben Jackson on rhythm guitar, Jeff Lords on bass guitar, and Dana Burnell on drums. Rest in peace, Midnight. Okay, fellas, let's get into a track-by-track discussion of this album. Kicking things off is Lady of Winter, written by Midnight and John Drenning. Rob, what do you think of this? Well, let me grab my notes here. How I spent my summer vacation. Oh, no. I, I, <laughs> uh, I think Lady of Winter is a really good opener, and uh, it's a great thing of sign of things to come. Really catchy chorus. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to sound like Sam with uh, Operation Mindcrime. Kept on saying, like, oh, I love this song. I love this song. But <laughs> it, it's great way better work by John. It's pretty much John's thing. If, if you listen to this whole album, whatever, he pretty much, I can say he relies on the way bar, but he's definitely very expressive with way bar. And uh, he doesn't play a bum note. I don't know if that's, you know, more sound, whatever. And it's, every solo and every fucking riff he does is like very perfect. And I, I, I never really heard, I mean, raised a really good guitar, like a uh, well versing guitar and stuff. I've never really heard riffs on Whammy Bar before like like as much as John does on this album it's, it's pretty crazy but I always thought like the syncopated part right after the solo it, it sounds very dated now and I, and I always thought it was very cheesy I don't know if you guys I'm, I'm not I love that shit I love it <laughs> really I I, yeah, I do I really do <laughs> I, I, I do most of the time but on this song it just sounds so cheesy it just sounds like really forced and cheesy but uh yeah Mm-hmm. Are you talking about the kind of like Zeppelin-y section? Like the the the, where they go yeah. in a different time signature. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. they're all playing like, you know, like, yeah. And it starts and it starts and stops. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like it on this song. I don't know why. It just mm-hmm. always bothered me. So. All right, Dan, what do you think? Uh, well, admittedly, I'm not as well versed in the technical aspects as uh, you gentlemen are. That's fine. Uh, but for me, I, I I probably appreciate the album from a slightly more abstract uh, uh, thing. For me, it's more like just the atmosphere of the song, and I, I love the lyrical imagery. I mean, I love winter-themed lyrics, and uh, in fact, uh, I, I was, in all, in all honesty, you guys are probably going to laugh at me, but I, th- I, I wish they would have used this song uh, for Frozen, uh, the Disney movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a, I am a, I'm a huge Disney fan. <laughs> oh, I'm serious. Oh, yeah. Princess Elsa could belt this one out, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Would you like to write a song, Dan? I know, I know you're laughing at me, not with me, right? So, but no, no. Yeah, I, I, wish this I wish this song would have been used as part of a Frozen soundtrack. But. <laughs> right on, man. That is awesome. Here's, here's a side note, guys. Dan actually made his own Frozen soundtrack, and it was basically this whole fucking album. with. The- oh, come on. Is it on YouTube? It was, no, no. no. It, it, it was, it's, it's just a burn cd i made it was a metal frozen soundtrack i just took songs with winter winter themes everything from black metal to michael shanker you know it's, it's immortal 
Rhapsody of Fire. I had even, even an odd band called Winterhawk I had on there. So, <laughs> Wow. Hmm. Crazy. Uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so with this song, I like the intro riff because like they do like a, there's a part where it gets harmonized, and uh, I, when I'm just listening to that. I think part of my chief not complaint really about the Queen's Rug thing is they do attempt harmony stuff, but it's just not as hooky. Queen's Rug guys need to take note from what these cats were doing with their harmony parts. I think because mm-hmm. they That's write strong, they write great hooks and they harmonize. I mean, they're definitely from the set, from the uh, Maiden. Priest school of harmony, yeah. harmonizing the guitar leads, which I'm a big, huge fan of. I like in the right before the solo, you have these like farting synths. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it kind of like makes it sound a little dated, which is you know, I mean, it, it's kind of hard. You had to make use with the technology that you had at the time, and this is like you know, like my first time listening to this band. This is like a great indication of John Drenning being no slouch in the guitar whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I like I would always was like wondering, like, was he like a Satch student or something like that? Because some of his lines sound real Satchy. Yeah. You know. Um, I don't know his background. Yeah, I have no idea. I'd never heard of him until until this. And so. For me, it's kind of like the converse of Rob. It's like the farting synth part is the part that like <laughs> kind of distracts me from the rest of the song. But I actually kind of like that kind of like Zeppelin-y, cashmere kind of ending. And yeah, for it. that's what we were talking about. Uh, yeah, that Rob doesn't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of maybe it's a familiarity thing. I don't know. But yeah. But. All right. The obvious first impression is that it sounds like early Queensrÿche. From the riffing to the vocals and even the melodic sensibilities are similar. To my ears, Midnight sounds like an unholy cross between Jeff Tate and early Getty Lee. I think he can reach higher notes than Jeff, the way Getty used to. But at any rate, I like the vocals and it's clear he was a very talented singer. I dig the riffs to this song as they're heavy and very 80s prog metal and the instrument separation's good. But it feels like there's a lack of bottom end in the production. It sounds maybe a little too bright for me. I I think I like it. Again, I'm basing this off of Mindcrime last week where you really hear that rhythm. Oh, Eddie Jackson, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not getting that here. I can hear the bass clearly, but I like a little more thump. The solo is excellent and does sound of the time, and I really dig that breakdown section that Rob hates, and we're going to bring this up again, but I do, I do love that part. <laughs> uh, lyrically, what I pick up is the lady is sort of a symbolic avatar of winter, and she turns into rain as the season turns to spring. That's lyrically what I'm pulling from it. It's a good, catchy chorus, and I really like this track. It starts. This is a great way to start the album. Uh, yeah, there, there's just one other thing I wanted to comment on, John. Um, I fr- I fucking love his guitar tone. I do too. Um, yeah, oh. I think he has one of his amazing guitar tones. Uh, every time like the twin leads come on or he solos it, I mean, I, I read uh, one reviewer wrote uh, it feels like you're soaring past comets or you know you just go on uh, like this long mystical journey through space, which is just another reason why I absolutely love this album. Let me add one more thing to, to Dan. Dan loves John Drenning's guitar tone, as do I. I fucking hate the drums on this album. The oh, drums, yeah, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. <laughs> yeah. it, is, okay. it is like a great album, but it's pitiful fucking drums. Uh, it's The drums uh, ruin a couple of tracks for me on this. They do. Yes. They totally do, man. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The next track is Red Sharks, written by Dana Bernal, John Drenning, and Jeff Lords.
Dan, what do you think about this? Uh, this is a real good track. The political lyrics don't really uh, interest me as much as the fantasy lyrics, but obviously Red Sharks, it's, it's an attack on, uh, on communist uh, Russia, which, you know, was still heavy at, was still kind of heavy at the time. Oh, I guess so. <laughs> In 88? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, 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 this might actually be one of the heaviest tracks on the album. I, I really love the guitar work on this album. I'm, I'm sorry, on this track. And there's a lot of really cool twin leads, and even like, uh, yeah, John Jenning, Jenning, as always, has got a killer solo on this. And then uh, Mid- Midnight uh, actually does, there's a couple spots. Uh, he's got some really cool vocal work on this track as well. Yep. Ray. Well, this song, I fucking love this song. This is probably like one of my favorites on this album. Of course, you got the killer intro riff, which is kind of based on like, there's like, it kind of hints at like a harmonic minor mode, which is, uh, you know, like like a lot of neoclassical solo guys like Ingve will use it and stuff okay. like that. So, which was kind of big at the time too. So you can tell that these guys were not living in a bubble. They were, we're getting fed by that. Um, it's it's an it's this is a, a hopped up great Iron Maiden song, and I like this for the same reason I like Halloween songs because they write great <laughs> Iron Maiden yeah, songs yeah. too. It's got that cool ass triplet groove. Um, Midnight basically my summation of Midnight's vocals on this: uh, his register goes where only Eagles, Halford, and King Diamond dare to tread. <laughs> yeah. Which I fucking love that shit. Like that definitely always gets me off. And. Um, Draining solo on this is awesome, but it's kind of funny because once again, I'm going to go back to the maiden. There's this one lick that he repeats, which I know it's kind of that's definitely right out of the Dave Murray, Adrian Smith handbook right yeah, there. Yeah, sure. And so like they also have the harmonized diminished runs on it too, which I thought was really kind of nifty too. So once again, there's a little tip of the hat to the Ingve neoclassical era, a little bit of a tip of the hat to the the power metal maiden priest stuff. So this song's the tits. All right. Yeah, this is faster, and the riffs and the verses are more intense. You've got that double bass drumming, sort of, and Midnight's really <laughs> screaming out the vocals. There are gang vocals in the pre-choruses, and there's a nice harmonized guitar figure that transitions from the choruses to the verses. I really love that part. John Drenning plays another great solo. He's fast, and he's got all the shredder tricks, but you can tell there's some thought put into the playing. <laughs> there's a prog rock pounding breakdown bridge section where Midnight hits some ear-piercing high notes. The lyrics are about the Cold War era communism, like uh, Dan was talking about, and how the red state controls daily life and denies freedom. That's the they really ran that message home about about you know lack of freedom. This would be a time capsule if it didn't still exist today, but it fucking does. It's a solid song. I like Lady of Winter a little better myself, but I, it's a solid song. I, I, I'm on board with this album so far. Yeah, for saying. Rob, what, what about you? Oh, man, Red Sharks, you know, it's a really good syncopated whammy bar riff with uh, really good voice acrobatics by Midnight, rest in peace. I never liked the keyboards uh, on this song again. It's just sound really, really dated and cheesy again. I, I, I don't know another word for cheesy, but uh, I, I said it again. If the word fits, use it. Yeah, go for it. I just never liked the keyboards on this song, but I'm not going to let that kill a, a really good song. This song really like totally doesn't do it for me i i do like lady winter a little bit better in this song but uh besides his vocals and the guitar playing the drum sound on this song drives me crazy but then again you don't listen to crimson gloria for the drums you listen for guitars bass and voice so that's all i have to say on that the following track is painted skies written by midnight john drenning and jeff lords Spread your wings, you can fly 
Ray, your thoughts. Oh, this song is awesome. Uh, that acoustic intro, it's got these little uh, these little interval slides. They're, they're, they're fourths, I believe is what they're called. Hendrix used them a lot. Um, Steve Vai used them like, on his solos, like Got to Have It and stuff like that. And I think Vai is the kind of guy who got me into like sliding fourths before I even got into like Hendrix's version. Midnight's vocals on this are mint. They're almost kind of Jack Russell-y in some parts. And I know mm. there's some people out there who's like, oh, it's great, what? Uh, don't make that reference. But no, <laughs> but, the, but Russell had Russell had talent. I'm not going to deny that the man, he did no, no talent for, you know, managing pyrotechnics, but... Uh, <laughs> Yikes. <yeah. laughs> Too soon. <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> <You> totally burns. <laughs> there's a nice harmony section right before they go into like that really dramatic break. And when they get the solo, the solo is really kind of brief. Which is kind of cool. I think it's kind of like, well, it reminds me of George Lynch will do that on a, in a song He'll, when he's doing a solo. It, sometimes the solo doesn't have to be like just nothing but flash. Sometimes it's it just, just enough to make a very quick statement and jump right the fuck back out again. And that's what he does in this piece. Well, we slow things down with some pretty acoustic guitar and atmospheric background keyboards. Midnight is big time in Jeff Tate voice and he can deliver a vocal. I'll give him that. It develops into an 80s power ballad type that sounds okay. This one doesn't blow me away, but it's competent. It has a decent chorus. It doesn't suck. At this point, though, I am starting to notice something that's really bugging me. The sound of the drums that we sort of alluded to earlier. They don't sound natural, so I did some research, and apparently Dana Burnell performed live drums, which were sampled into a synclavier. Mm-hmm. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah, synclavier. And then live cymbals were overdubbed later, so we're hearing sample drums and live cymbals, and it just sounds fucking weird. Mm. And it bothers me. But John Drennan continues to impress with his leads. The guitar work in general is just excellent. The lyrics are a little obscure, but what I get from them is that the girl's in a bad relationship, possibly even abusive, and their narrator's trying to get her to leave it and move on to something better, spread her wings and repaint her sky a different color and fly away. There are dreams and nightmares imagery, so I could be way off base on this. I do like the lyrics, so I think they're, they're very... I, I love the imagery, and it, it makes you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob, what do you think about this? Hey, only nightmares are real. That's what I have to say about this. All right. <laughs> uh, I, I really thought this... I think this song is like the first glimpse of uh, their genius. Uh, it's really good storytelling lyrics with emotive singing, of course, and a uh, catchy chorus again. I really like the intertwining acoustic guitar. John Soul seems a little bit forced, and but it's really short, like like uh, Ray Ray Z was saying. And uh, but it's it's totally fine. Um, I actually would have liked to hear this, have this all be an all acoustic track rather than you know kind of rocking it up with the lesser guitars. But hindsight's always twenty twenty. It might have worked that way too. Actually, now I think about it. Yeah, it if really, it didn't go more power ballad and kept it. Oh, no. If they, if they kept it like VH1, like acoustic stuff, <laughs> like, that just been a prime, yeah. prime material for that. Yeah. Dan, your thoughts? Uh, pretty much, again, uh, I got to agree with uh, Ray. Um, one of my favorite parts on this song is right after like, the second chorus and Midnight just screams, you can fly, and it just segues into the t- twin harmony lead guitars. It's one of my favorite breakdowns on the entire album. And then the, the, the twin harmony lead guitars just keep, you know, ebbing and flowing. So finally, I just love how it segues into John uh, John's solo. And again, I, he's, he's got this amazing tone. I mean, the solo's the solo's kind of short, but it's really sweet. And I just I love uh, John's technique on the solo. Uh, again, lyrically, it's uh, about a woman who's in a in a an abusive relationship. But again, uh, like you said, the narrator's trying to encourage her to leave, leave the relationship and try to find something better. Um, there is another thing to note uh, about the, uh, lyrically uh, for this track. Um, on the first album, there's two songs called Dragon Lady and uh, Queen of the Masquerade. 
lyrically, they're basically, you know, like your dark, mystical, evil lady that's just out to, you know, fuck you over or whatever, you know? It seems like there's been, like, a little bit of maturity uh, in, uh, lyrically for with this track. Uh, it just seems like instead of, uh, you know, a male blaming the woman for all his problems, instead, uh, here, they take the song from the wo woman's perspective instead of just simply, you know, blaming the, uh, blaming the female. If, you know, you're enticing me, then, then boom, you just drop me, you know? The next track is Mask of the Red Death, written by Midnight, Jeff Lords, Ben Jackson, and John Drenning. fucking love this track. It's the title track and the main riff has the famous gallop and a sort of Arabian or Eastern feel in the verses. Bruce sings in a menacing tone and this track really matches the album cover with the Egyptian pyramid theme and Eddie is the godlike statue wearing a pharaoh style headdress. The chorus is catchy as hell. Tell me why I have to be a power slave. I love that. And this is an all-time maiden classic. Rob, your thoughts? <laughs> Hey, no one remembers your name. No, no one remembers your name. Midnight Bruce, same, you know, same thing. But uh, yeah, this to me has the Queen's written all over it. Uh, not really Maiden. I, I love the way he sang. The hour of midnight draws near. I, I always loved it. I'm not gonna. I, I come on. I can't. Just like you can't sing Jeff Tate, I can't sing Midnight. No, not many people could. And, Mm. Dan, can you uh, can you do it? The hour of midnight. The hour of oh, midnight draws the near. The hour of midnight grows near. Yeah. That that was terrible. <laughs> so I'm gonna move on, but uh, but the build up to John's amazing whammy solo on the song is like so emotive. Shit, man. As uh, however however midnight hits that last screen. Right after the solo is beyond my little brain comprehension. I mean, it, this song is a masterwork as far as like the technical side. Like John Solo and Midnight Scream are just were otherworldly, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. They, they transcend music. How about that? That's a good way to describe it. Otherworldly. I like that. Mm. Dan, what do you think? Again, this I love this track because any any song about that's based off of classic literature and it was well written as this. I just fucking love. I mean, you know. And uh, yeah, the the Middle Eastern um, aspects of the, of the track, I think, really helped uh, bring out some of the uh, some of the lyrical imagery, and especially uh, uh, Midnight's uh, vocal performance uh, too. And uh, yeah, John Drennan's solo again is just absolutely amazing. Um, but uh, I guess that's it for me. Right. All right. I actually, for me, this was kind of like Bark at the Moon meets Power Slave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. The, the riff. I mean, that that, that rhythm that, that they use. I mean. Viv Campbell does it on "Don't Talk to Strangers," and it's just kind of like it's a it's a it's a powerful thing. Kind of gets it going, so you can't fault the band for that. But yeah, the Power Slave thing was kind of hard for me to get by. Or just jumped right out yeah, at me. Especially like in the verse section, it's kind of funny. On Spotify, for whatever reason, Spotify totally mixes up the tracks, and this is their leadoff track in the album. So this is like one of the first earlier ones I got into. Does Drenning put a wah wah a little bit on his solo too? He does. He does. Okay, so I wasn't just you know my brain there. 
This is the, one of the only solos on this album that for me was a bit of a snoozer. I felt like he's capable of a lot more, and maybe I should go back and give it a bit, like, bit more of a fair chance and just like try to look at it in relation to the rest of the song. But this this solo didn't really so much grab me as much. And it's funny because it's a song that like it's like ripe for him to like just piss all over, uh, shredding wise. If this is his artistic choice not to piss all over it in that way, then you know, okay, that's cool. I respect it, but it just didn't really grab me. I was a little bit disappointed in this solo, but vocally, the chorus kicks ass. I love the chorus for this song, so that's what I got. Yeah, I'm going to give my actual review of the song now. It's a nice staccato riff that reminds me of Iron Maiden's Power Slave in the verses. We've talked about that. It's got that slightly Middle Eastern Arabian tinge to it. And now that I think about it, I'm picking up a strong Maiden influence in the music in general. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, great, tasty lead work from John Drenning. I think I liked it better than you. More good guitarmony. Yeah, I like that word. But these drums are just fucking bugging me. The toms especially sound terrible. The lyrics are directly inspired by the Edgar Allan Poe short story, The Mask of the Red Death, in which a horrible plague known as the Red Death is sweeping the land, and a prince tries to hide all the nobility from the plague in a walled abbey. To entertain his guest, the prince throws a masquerade, and the Red Death ends up coming for them all anyway under disguise. I do dig this track. It is a standout for me. The following track is In Dark Places, written by Midnight, John Drenning, and Jeff Lords. your thoughts it's a great great chorus and again the whammy solo is amazing and the synth the, the synthesizer on here is like the haunting synth sounds which is which is uh like very spooky and which i'm sure is how they exactly wanted it obviously in, in dark places they named the title of that but I, I think that uh the production like producers really got the, the ideas were conveyed much better on transcendence than on the first album I think that has a lot to do with uh, the, the Morris Brothers at Morris Sound for this album. I just really love the synth sound in here. I'm not a real, real big synth guy, and uh, some of it sounds cheesy, like I said in the past, but the synth in here is awesome part of the song. So, All right. Dan, what do you think? Uh, this is actually probably this is another one of my favorite tracks on the album. Uh, this again, I think this song like really captures like the essence of how I, what I feel Crimson Glory are all about. Just the dark, mystical you know, otherworldly realms, you know, it's, it's, I get, I get the same, I get the same feeling from this track that if you, you know, you, you guys know the, uh, the artwork for uh, Fate's Warning is Awaken the Guardian, right? I know. I'm not familiar with it, no. Okay. If, 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 you, if you looked at that artwork, um, this, uh, th- this track just, just, just like tr- transports me to that, to that mystical realm. Transcends and, you. Yeah, transcends me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anyway, but um, and yeah, again, I just I love the lyrical imagery of this, you know. And through rocking moonbeams of light, we glide in bending shadows of warm starlight. Angels of colors like the night as as they fly, transcending into the electric sky. I mean, I know on the surface this kind of just sounds like an acid trip, but no, I just I, I no seriously, I, I fucking love this imagery, and so this is like one of the standout tracks, and this is why I fucking love this album, why I love this band. All right, right. 
I fucking I love the shit out of this song. This song is awesome. Um, it's got it starts out with like that moody and moody kind of Phrygian, almost kind of like in the uh, last song, got like that Eastern kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then I actually wrote what the next riff out, the main verse section I wrote out in solfege. <laughs> Which is do do so do le? <laughs> I, I I had to do like two years of music theory when I was going to school, and they, we did the whole thing on solfege. So actually, that's sometimes I figure out riffs is on by solfege. But it's cool because the riff itself follows along this pattern. It's like two measures of four four, and then I think the third time it's either a third measure of four four or it's just seven four. So it's like one. Yeah, anyway, you have to like yeah. listen to it. Like if we could play it, I'd have you do that. But um it's those guy almost once again, it's almost kind of a cashmere kind of a vibe. But vibe but you can't deny there's like some Zeppelin in there with these, mixed in with these guys. Sure. But there's nothing and uh, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um I kinda liked in the part where it's like in the dark places we will be forever beyond the light. I like the uh, clean guitars in the background. Yeah. For that. And that oh, kind of for a second there I thought you were actually gonna praise a lyric. <laughs> <laughs> Bite your tongue, no, Man. sir. <laughs> but uh, I like the kind of the clean guitars that come in there, and I mentioned the solo in this song pre- in the other track too. But uh, it's quirky; it's really quirky. Um, and I had to listen to it two or three times. It, it, it fit the it served the song like the first. My time. first impression that it was backwards. Oh yeah, I don't. It's not, but it sounds like it almost to me. How off it is to yeah. the rhythm. It, there's not a solo on this album that sounds even remotely similar to this. Yeah. So I don't know. I my first thought it was, and there. Well, I think of, it's just the whammy work in general. Yeah, I think yeah. That, that, just, that, that's where my connector. Yeah. Is between the two of them. Where I, I thought the other one, it was kind of phoned in, but this one, it, it seems like he there. There was a, a method for a reason why he did that on there. You got some keyboard farts in there again. Not gonna, not gonna hate on the keyboard farts. Uh, <laughs> But then I like how in the end of the song, where it kind of goes in that fade out, you just more of the acoustic guitar actually coming more to the forefront. The kind of almost like the electric distorted stuff kind of kind of fades away into the back. Yeah. And I thought that was a pretty clever way to end the song. Uh, holy shitballs, Batman. To my ears, this blatantly sounds like Queensryche. It's got a gloomy, sinister riff along with spooky atmospheric keyboards and guitar synths that are noticeable. They occasionally overpower the song for me, which is too bad because I really love the guitars in this track. I get that they're going for a dark mood, and I couldn't find out who played the keyboards, but I wish they stayed a little bit more in the background on this particular song. I like the change in the rhythm in the pre-chorus and the solo section. That uh, Ray talked about that. Mm-hmm. It does keep your ear engaged. And the guitar solo itself is deliberately strange and off-kilter. I suspected it was backwards, but I, no, how, I don't know. Lyrically, there's a woman who beckons our man Midnight to go into the darkness. I get the feeling that he's despairing and considering suicide to be free of this sunlit world of hate and misery. I don't know. There's a lot for me to like about this track, and it would be a favor if they just dial it back a little bit on the keyboards and let the guitars carry it. But it's still a, it's a strong track. I'm not going to say it isn't. The next track is Where Dragons Rule, written by Midnight, John Drenning, and Jeff Lords. Dan, this next track, I think, has you written all over it, my friend. The song title just literally tells you everything you, you need to know about the track. 
I mean, the the opening twin leads are just glorious and awesome and epic, and it just it just fills your mind with like this imagery of like hundreds or thousands of dragons just spilling out of the, all the volcanoes, just just filling up the darkened skies, and and yeah, they they, they just descend upon us. Um, but I think there's also a bit of a, a political uh, message behind the uh, mystical imagery as well, because uh, there there's some lines in here that go, "We kill for the dragon, we have no reason. We die for the dragon. Is there a reason?" And uh, so it, I think it's also kind of like warning of, uh, of, of political tyranny uh, and, uh, and stuff like that as well. All right, Ray? Um, for me, I think I heard this the first time. Wow, this is like the House Targaryen theme song, man. <laughs> <laughs> totally right there. I think they got that cool-ass phaser on the verse section of the guitar riff, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, and I used to be a total D&D geek in high school. So this I'm song, sorry. Yeah, no. I wear, I wear that proudly. I mean, th- this definitely appeals to my fighter-slash-magic user multi-class character, and I will break out my seven-sided die uh, versus undead anytime when this song comes <laughs> in the background, man. And uh, Drunning Solo, kind of it seems like kind of wakes up from the first two songs. Oh, it's like he's back on top form. He's cranking out some slick leads. Um, and the riff is really cool because it's, it's almost like there's a little bit of hints at like a Hungarian minor riff. It's just kind of like the old Django Reinhardt two-finger easy minor chord thing. And then there's also regular Aeolian minor stuff on there, too. And I also wrote this, the riff out in Soulfish on this one, too, so I'm trying to figure it out. It's a total theory geek stuff going on over here, but no. So what is it? It's so do, so lay, so, and I can't remember what the half step in, below the, the, the fifth is in Soulfage. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's fe or fa or qui. <laughs> so that's what i that's what i got there this this uh, this is a good good ass song man all right oh boy the martial drums are all over this it's like they're trying to piss me off it's really in my head once the song actually kicks in it's got a good mid-tempo riff with the guitars playing harmonized leads over it midnight's really trying to scare us with the serious vocals the lyrics use dragons as metaphors for missiles that fall from the sky and bring death from above, which also ties into the militant drums that reoccur throughout this track. I even think they said, like, trails. Oh, I can't remember what the exact lyric is, but, like, trails, mm-hmm. which is, like, the trails of from the missiles, coming right. from the missiles going right. into the sky. That burn trails into the night. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Again, it's another good guitar solo, and John Drenning is still bringing it, man. This isn't my favorite track, because the drums are going to assure that fuck me over on that, but, you know, (laughs) still, this this is really solid music. Rob? I'm going to say right off the bat, I'm going to cue, this is the big cue right here. You know, after my review of the song, this is Dan telling me to fuck off, and he's going to walk out of the walk out of the store, and we're not going to be able to. Dan is gone after this. All right, we're, we're ready. We're ready. All right. Well, I wish I could wish right that simple, uh, the simple whammy bar riff that he does, played like pitch perfect, played flawlessly, and it's another killer solo by John, of course. And, and again, the cheesy sense fill out the sound. I mean, if you really listen to the song with headphones, you, you'll not only the drum sound will piss you off, but the like the the way they do the synths on the song, just like oh god, it's, it's so dated sounding. But you can really hear it with the with the uh, with really good headphones on. But I'm some somewhat conflicted on the lyrics. Uh, Dragons should be saved for deal and deal only. Um, <laughs> I kind of agree with you on that. And, or yeah. man of war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I feel silly at 50 years old singing about dragons. I mean, like I said, this is where Dan fucking walks out and said, I fucking <laughs> out. Um, this is probably my least favorite track on the album, but I never skip it. I mean, I don't hate any song on this album. 
And I, I love the ending guitar chords, the way that uh, like Ray would be able to do uh, the technical side with the, he, he kind of like changes the, the key. I, I don't know. It, once you listen to the song, you'll know what I'm talking about, but I just, I love like, it's like goes to like major and then minor and then major. And I kind of like alone again by docking. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I just love the way that sound, but he only does it like twice in the song pretty much ends, but dragon stuff. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the dragon stuff. Elder, I know you do. Elder Scrolls five Skyrim. I fucking love that game, and that's 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 the first Elder Scrolls game that has dragon. I can't tell you how many times I fucking put this song on infinite repeat and just went and went, <laughs> went dragon slaying that game. Nice. Oh man, that's I, what I I'm like, talking about. B going to battle with this. Shit. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, I don't doubt. I mean, these, these guys don't know you. I totally consider. Yeah, you, you do know. know. <laughs> I, if I, had I known about this when it came out, I would have been raiding orc villages left and right with this <laughs> playing in the background. <laughs> the following track is Lonely, written by Midnight, John Drenning, Jeff Lords, and John Zahner. I kind of like the phased, clean channel intro. Um, once again, Mr. Midnight, <laughs> his vo- Mr. McDonald, his vocals are definitely friggin' spot on. Um, I like how the synth bass kind of builds up the, the tension as it gets into the heavier part. And this guitar part is, is hooky as fuck, man. It's awesome. Like, I would think, like, if they were looking for singles off this, that this would probably be, like, something they would look at, looked at for a single. If I if if I was picking this, this has a single. Yeah, this was a single. Oh, it was. Yeah. All right, so I'm makes sense. All right, I was in the right neighborhood, and this is a, an example of kind of like John Drenning once again. He does and he has a very simple melodic solo. It's not chopsy, but it serves the song and it fits it beautifully. So, and they also have that cool harmony on the outro too. So this is a cool ass song, man. This is like one of those like it's an earworm. You get it stuck in your head. It starts slow with clean electric guitar and midnight crooning about a woman who is loved and lost and she can't let go. She'll always be lonely. Then midnight cranks it up and the rest of the band comes in and the song gets heavier with a good tight riff. Staying slow but not really a ballad and fuck me sideways, there's an interesting bass line finally. <laughs> it's got a catchy pre-chorus and chorus. Lyrically, our girl's really lost, probably possibly suicidal. And by now, the harmonized guitars are a given. It seems to be the band's calling card. Who do they think they are? Queen? Queen's Reich? <laughs> they do it really well, and they do it very melodically. It's yet another solid tune. Rob, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, dude, this, this song is so perfectly executed and just, just a great song. But Dan has ruined this for me because I can't <laughs> listen to the song anymore without seeing Dan's video in my head. <laughs> Dan did this painstakingly video to like this this 80s uh cartoon An show 80s cartoon show called gem and the holograms <laughs> I, I, oh, no. I, I spliced i spliced scenes uh into the song and they met and the scenes match up perfectly with the music and the lyrics so it actually tells a story it's it's probably the best video i've made that is such an amazingly cool geek thing to do dan that is outrageous truly 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 outrageous yeah exactly yeah but back to rob oh thanks dan thanks <laughs> 
um, yeah, the song has really cool lyrics. It has a twist from the norm. Um, I don't think it's like the normal like radio hit, whatever. And I love the key change again for for the solo. Uh, it's actually not much of a solo, but the guitar interlude is all the song really needed, anyways. This song has been waking me up in the middle of the night for decades now. This, this song definitely earworm, whatever you want to call it. it, it who, who coined that phrase, Ray P? He did for this podcast, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ray, Ray P. Like that's a good good word for it. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's been waking me up for like I'll hear this song and it'll it'll be in my head and I'll wake up and I was like, damn, "Lonely Again" by Crimson Glow. <laughs> All right, Dan. Uh, yeah, I don't know really what else I can add on to this. I mean, you guys pretty much uh, covered everything I was going to say about this track. Um, Pimp your video. Pimp your video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, if you guys it, – it, the, the name of the video is called Kimber, Lonely in Love, if, if you want to check it out in your free time. Uh, I mean, it, it's kind of cheesy, but it's it, it, the video works. Yeah, I'll take a look at it. Oh, hell yeah. Probably yeah. right after this is yeah. over. Yeah, this, uh, this, this easily was the radio single of the album. Um, and it was actually there's a remixed version that was released. It was on the Lonely yeah. EP. Yeah. Um, <laughs> version. The remixed version actually has a different outro. The outro on the album track actually ends with a little bit of hope uh, for the for the female protagonist uh, for the possibility of finding new love. Uh, however, the uh, outro on on the uh, remix from a single is is completely different. It uh, actually kind of goes into like this really like high midnight. Just has like these multiple like queen like uh, uh, choruses, and uh, the the song just kind of outros with the woman just remaining lonely and uh, not n- never finding a uh, true love. Uh, so yeah, uh, check out the uh, the remix version. It's uh, the outro is actually kind kind of cool and kind of different. The next track is "Burning Bridges," written by Midnight and John Drenning. John wrote the music, and it has a multi-section epic feel. There are quieter, arpeggiated acoustic guitar sections with background keyboards, some fantastic weeping harmonized guitar sections that really capture the desperate vibe of the lyrics. There's a bridge section with ascending guitars that transitions the tune into an entirely new section that feels sweeping despite containing a keyboard string solo. It's not that great, but it doesn't lose me as I'm caught up in in the song's flow. The guitar solo, however, is phenomenal. John Drenning, never heard of this fucking guy, but he can fucking play. He's capable of fast runs and 80 shredder tricks, but he doesn't overuse it. He tends to think melodically when he plays, and I appreciate that. Midnight lets it rip, pouring feeling into his vocals. The lyrics are all about how he turned away from love and hurt the one he loves, but he's full of remorse and regret, though it's too late, and the music completely supports his emotional pleading. I really do dig this one. It's one of my favorites on the album. Rob, what do you think? Oh, uh, dude, this is – these guys can't play their way out of a paper, wet paper bag, man. I mean, this this song is tear – no, this song is actually <laughs> I've ever. Any fucking – any band, any song ever, it's like the perfect song in every way. John Soul, like you were saying, Aaron, is just – I mean, the, the climax of this solo is like a Brahms symphony. It just – it's so just, – just so epic, man. It is epic. 
this is, you know, this, this one wakes me up for, the other one wakes me up for days. This one wakes me up for week, weeks and weeks afterwards. But, I mean, forget comfortably numb. I mean, just listen to the last 15 seconds of that solo. Holy shit, dude. I mean, like I said, this is like one of the, the greatest, this is exactly what they wanted, I think. And they poured their heart and soul out of this, in this track, I believe. So, yeah, there's really nothing more I can say. I, I fucking, this is one of my all-time favorite songs ever out of any band, so. Wow. Dan. Oh, uh, yeah, just uh, kind of just to reiterate uh, what Rob and uh, you were saying. But, yeah, this, I, again, I think that this song actually probably really captures uh, Crimson Glory's uh, their best strengths. Like, how they're able to bring out, like, the, again, the mystical, melancholic atmosphere. And, again, I, I think, I just think the ballads were these, were Crimson Glory's, that was, that was those their best songs. Um, yeah, just uh, with the acoustic guitar intros and uh, and when when the when the electric guitars click kick in and and especially Midnight's vocals on this track are just so full of pain and so full of remorse. I mean, yeah, this song I think just just speaks volumes of what Crimson Glory was uh, capable of doing. All right, Ray. I think <clears throat> what I'm going to say is kind of big, big, going to reiterate what everybody else said. Like Midnight's vocals on this. He sells it, man. Yeah. And like I mentioned, I've had to take voice lessons, and my voice teacher was always like, you know, really think about the, the lyrics and what these would mean to you or something like that. And he isn't, this, he, this isn't phoning this in. This is like actually you get the emotion behind what he's actually saying. And that Ronnie James Dio did it a great way. I mean, that's despite the fact that Dio had chops, he could really make you believe what he was singing about. I mean, even if it was something like Dragons. but i love the acoustic intro with the keyboards that's awesome and and then there's like that kind of like one breakdown the song with the keyboards are really prominent almost kind of reminds me kind of zeppelin like some of the melodies you hear on like physical graffiti which there's nothing wrong with that i love that and fucking john drenning man i don't how come more people didn't know about this cat back in the day he was so good and this solo is just killer especially with the keyboards underneath it I think this kind of little note of myself is that this weird-ass noise in the end of the song. I don't know what the hell that's supposed to be. It's supposed to be some, like, indicating some sort of mechanical thing in the background, but I listened to it a couple times, and I was like, what the fuck is that in the end of the song? (laughs) But it's cool. It's a good way to wrap up a song. Just leave like uh, a lady and a tiger. What the hell is it in the end? Yeah. The penultimate track is Eternal World, written by Midnight, John Drenning, and Jeff Lords. Rob, lay it on us, man. Oh, holy shit. These guys can, can actually play out of a wet paper bag. <laughs> I mean, John, John's tone kills me on this one. Uh, the band pulls out all the stops on this one, too. I, I, I love the unison uh, guitar bends that, that I believe John and um, ben, Jackson. Ben, ben Jackson are doing. I, I don't know, Ray, you can maybe uh, fill me on that one, uh, school me on that one. And... What, I would, I'll just say one short sentence. Midnight's vocals on this are ridiculous. That's all I have to say. Dan. Uh, yeah, I kind of got agree. Uh, pretty much got to agree with uh, Rob on th- on this track too. I mean, this is this is probably the fastest song on on the album, 
and holy crap, John's running solo. This this has got to be his best solo, period. He just completely rips it off, and he just shreds like no fucking tomorrow. It almost sounds like he might even outshreds Ingve in a couple spots on here. Now, lyrically, I guess the song kind of kind of maybe is maybe even though it, the, obviously there's a deep there's very heavy mystical imagery on this track, <laughs> but there's also spots. Uh, it kind of the song's probably maybe like an acid or like a really bad uh, drug trip because uh, there even though he kind of starts off like we're going down to see the, 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 the this valley of shadows and the, there's this beautiful moonlight, but it just ends with like the like your 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 flesh and your mind are just getting ripped out out of your soul or. You know something like that, so it's. It, I think lyrically, the music uh, just be just is kind of like maybe an anti-drug song. Mm. That, that's interesting, mm. right? My breakdown of the song is it seems like there's a lot more keyboards on this song that I that I picked up on other ones. Maybe that's just my headphones, but that was pretty cool. The riffs are cool, and I gotta agree, Midnight's vocals are just like he's doing. He's going all over the world on this one, and mm. it's it's a good demonstration of his abilities. Um, I like the kind of the muted arpeggio section right before John Drennan kicks into his solo, and his his solo is awesome. However, comma, some of the songs parts of the song seem just kind of thrown together. Like I wasn't sure if they were looking to fill up spot, like they like Aaron and I talked about, it, like if they just needed a track, and some of it just seems kind of phoned in to a little bit. So if this this is going to be Ray's unimpressed musical piece. Oh. Hey, that's. I think I think the solo is all you need from this the song. But yeah, I don't know. what do you think? Yeah. Uh, well, this is easily the fastest and heaviest track on the record. One where the players are trying to show off their chops, except for the drummer who gets to press buttons and program the <laughs> fast double kicks and provide a speed metal or thrash metal vibe to this. The main riffs are descending and bring back the eastern music edge and are supposed to convey a dark or foreboding feeling complete with ominous keyboard choir in the background. The solo is just pure shred and well done. There are starts and stops to the music and it blasts by. It's also the shortest track on the record. Midnight does his best to scare you as he sings of an infernal place. It could be Hades or hell. There's melting flesh, twisting spirits, and he even sort of growls. But it's not very convincing to me. I don't hate this. I still like this track, but it's very different. It sticks out like a sore thumb on this album. And this is also going to have to be Aaron's Stinky Stinker. And that brings us to the final track, the title track, Transcendence, written by Midnight and John Drenning. Dan, what do you think of this? Uh, again, uh, I think this is one of uh, this is one of the most amazing songs on the album. I mean, it's it's a lot more subdued uh, compared to some of the earlier tracks, but uh, this song, I think, this kind of like in dark places and even burning bridges, uh, really captures the like the mystic, the mystical melancholic atmosphere. Um, I lo- I love how the song kind of starts out kind of heavy. Uh, you got the the drums kicking in, the the, tw- the harmony twin leads, but then like maybe thirty or forty seconds in- into the song. All the electric, uh, the electric guitars, the drums just just completely fade out, and then I believe it's a hammered dulcimer that they used, and it just really conveys like this really deep mystical and melancholic atmosphere. And I I just I I, I love the lyrics of this song. 
The snow is gently falling. A white mist filled the air. I hear the cold wind calling. There's something waiting there. I mean, the, the lyrics are just kind of like uh, Midnight telling us that um, uh, the, the, the dreams and the visions of your youth, maybe if you, if you stay true to them, they might come true later. Uh, even later, in, for me, the, the, the final words of, of, of this song are extremely poignant. In death, I found the answer. In death, I live again. Fear not the raper's blade. It does not mean the end. It never really ends. I mean, since Midnight passed away in 2009, I mean, the, these final lyrics on this track just are, are, are extremely poignant to me. All right. Ray. Wow, man. I What a way to end the album. I mean, there's a lot of different themes and different things going on in this album, different, you know, different atmospheres created in this, the different songs. But this one is moody as all get out. And I love the shit out of the fact that, in fact, I'm going to go as far as to say as like some of the moodiness kind of reminds me of Slayer-esque moodiness, like on like the South of Heaven album, which I think is probably one of their, has some of their slower stuff, like on the Spill the Blood, that little the guitar interlude, the beat yeah. in, intros it. Kind of reminds me, like, it doesn't sound exactly like, but it's like, kind of the same vein, it's kind of atmospheric and kind of eerie. Uh, yeah, Midnight here gets his Robert Plant on in some, some of the way he, he, prevent, he throws out his vocal lines here, which is pretty cool. And the part that damage that, that does not mean the end, they have that harmonized guitar part behind that, fucking smoking and killer. So I'm just impressed to, as far as like, it's an unusual choice, I think, to end the album with, but pretty powerful, I got to say, all in all. So that's what I got. I'll listen yeah. to the song any day of the week. The intro is yet another heavy, bombastic, harmonized guitar section, but then it swiftly fades into this quiet acoustic guitar piece. You said dulcimer, but I thought it was acoustic guitars that carries the rest of the track. There are drawn-out electric guitar melodies that complement it and keyboard effects and lines that fade in and out and make it almost seem psychedelic. Midnight's vocals are processed, and it makes it sound like he's a ghostly presence, which kind of makes sense since lyrically, I picked up that he's dead, and he's waiting on top of a mountain for the spirits to show him what lies beyond. He's found the answer human beings have wondered about since their first existence, and he seems to be at peace and says that death is not the end, life's eternal. This is a good track. It's like the cool down after the overheating of the previous track, and it closes the album off on a hopeful note. Rob, what are your thoughts on this track? Oh, uh, a masterwork. That's why. That's why I think. Um, I think it's a good, really good prog metal song. I think it's got great dissonant and, and dark. It's a dark feeling song. I think they knock it out of the park again. And uh, luckily, the drum sound doesn't really cheese it up on this track because it's only in the very, very beginning. Agreed. I'll say it again, masterful, tasteful guitar and vocals. It's a weird way to, to end this album, but it's it's very fitting. And again, I think this is uh, I think this album sounds exactly like the way they want it to sound. Just a, just a very good album. Now that the track by track is finished, we'll get into our final thoughts and album ratings. For you new listeners, the rating is a zero to five system, with five being a favorite album of ours, all the way down to a zero, which is audio toilet paper. Rob, give us your final thoughts on Transcendence. Transcendence by Crimson Glory. Um, with his few shortcomings and bad drum sound and samples, the song Burning Bridges alone makes this album a five for me. I think the album is a fine example of a good prog metal album for his time. It was one of the genesis of prog metal. I, I was really big into uh, progressive rock music, and I always liked heavy metal, and that's that's why I really got into progressive metal. I'm like, ah, oh, it's genius to, you know, it, it, it take it for granted now, but I mean, these guys were on, on the forefront of, of creating the genre. So um, I, I, I would say side one overall is a little bit 
on the weaker side, but side two is so great that it, it it's it just it's an instant five for me. I actually think one through five is, is a little bit too constricting. I, I would rather go one through ten because I think it's a little bit more more leeways here and there. But I, I would have to say this is definitely a five. All right, Dan. Uh, yeah, again, uh, even with like uh, the sample drum sounds and the drum tone, which I'm not completely crazy about. I don't know. For me, just this album is like everything I could ever want musically. Just the deep, melancholic, very mystical atmosphere, the fantastical, lyrical imagery. I mean, for me, music. I, I want music. I kind of want music to kind of be like an audiobook, You know, just takes me to this, you know, a very escapist, very mystical, otherworldly realm, and it's just this is like one of the only albums that can actually do that for me. Um, this. I mean, this. This. I. I. I can't. I can't say. I'm not. I mean, I know. I'm. I'm you know what? I'm fanboying over the album, but I, I, don't, I don't give a shit. I fucking love this album. Damn straight. Tell you the truth, there is no other album I have found that, 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 can, do that, that can do this for me. Uh, so this is, for me, this, this album is like literally one in a million, a diamond in the rough, and I can't say how much I love this album. So yeah, five out of five. Awesome. Ray? Well, I got to tell you, I love the shit out of this album. Um, I'd never heard any of these players at all. Midnight was a freaking incredible vocalist, and uh, I, I, just, I just was impressed in just every track. And there, there was he didn't have like one bad take on this, and as far as his vocals are concerned, so I was I was pleasantly surprised with that. And Drenning and Jackson knew their shit as far as like power metal is concerned, stuff like that. So I I really appreciate their guitar work on that as well. And uh, the keyboards are a little interesting. Sometimes it's a little dated sound; it makes it sound a little bit dated. Uh, which, you know, what are you going to do? It was 1988. <laughs> yeah. But the songwriting is great. Um, and I love that they end with like kind of a, a dark and moody piece. And I got to thank both of you guys for suggesting this because I can see myself getting probably quite a few years out of use out of this album. But because I'm so new to the game, I'm going to give it a four. I'm give it some time to marinate. But it could, like Queen's Track, I could see it turn into a five down the road. If I had this on CD, I could see it getting like lost in my car for like about ten, maybe two months, and then I'd dig it up. Oh yeah, I forgot about this, yeah. <laughs> and I'd listen to the shit out of it for like about three weeks straight. When this album was released, I wasn't aware of its existence, and I was barely even aware of the band Crimson Glory itself. It formed in 1979 in Sarasota, Florida, and was originally called Pierced Arrow, later Beowulf, and finally settling on Crimson Glory in 1983. They're considered one of the flagship bands of progressive metal along with Queensryche, Dream Theater, Fate's Warning, and Watchtower, but somehow they flew under my radar at the time in the late 80s, even though by then I was diving deep into Queensryche's music. They've had three major periods of activity, and technically they still exist today, though officially they're on hiatus. Taking on this album now, as opposed to 1988, there's a lot for me to like. John Drenning kills it on this record. I go as far as to say I like him as a player better than the guys in Queensryche, the band which Crimson Glory most emulates and sounds like to my ears. Drenning can shred like a demon one minute and in the next craft an excellent melodic passage. I'm very impressed with the guitar work in general. I've spent most of the podcast ripping on the drums, so I'll leave it at this. Sometimes in the quest for sonic perfection, a band can go too far and lose the human element and become too mechanical. Now, it's one thing if you're an industrial band or a Nine Inch Nails where the cold precision is intentional, but for a band like this that likes to flaunt its virtuosity, all I've got to say is, man, Dana Burnell kicked ass on those cymbals, huh? (laughs) And then there's Midnight. The man had some pipes, no doubt about it. He could go from zero to eardrum melting in a heartbeat. And though to my ears he lacked some of the warmth of a Jeff Tate, it could be that the pristine, icy production of this record may have something to do with that. 
He was a true talent, and he died much too young from a stomach aneurysm on July 8, 2009, at the age of 47. So where do I stand on this album? I like it a lot, and I give it a three. I enjoy it much more than I thought I would, and there's some great 80s prog metal songwriting in these tunes, flying in the face of both glam and thrash metal and carving out its own niche. It's really good stuff. And from Album Addicts, John Patrick Jr. McDonald, known professionally as Midnight, rest in peace. Can I say a couple other things or no? Of course. Okay, um, I, I was going to say, like, I, I wrote, like, a, a pre-thing in my notes. Uh, special band members, should, we, we should mention the, the Synclavier, the is that how you say it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's yep. that right. It is, yeah. yep. Synclavier. Yep. Programming by Jim Morris and Lex McCarr, and the Great Synthesizer pro- Programming by John Zayner. And uh, I I believe, it's, let's also mention, it just says Janelle for the haunting melodies and backing vocals. I think she kind of helps Midnight on a couple of those really high screams. You, if you listen very closely, you can hear two voices. I'm not sure if it was Midnight double-tracked and he didn't nail it exactly the same way both. I, I had no idea what was going on there. Like I, I, I hear in some screams uh, two two different sounds. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, there's one song in one of the choruses where I was like, wow, he actually like harmonized higher in his own voice, but I almost think it maybe might make more sense what you're saying. Having there. the female vocalist. And, yeah, can, which, yeah, which still sounds fucking sure. nasty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just they just list her as Janelle, no last name or anything. Um, and, you know, and like music is meant to be listened to, not, not talked about, but both are necessary. I mean, I would say like people listen to this podcast and just Listen to the album, uh, you know. When you, when you have time, just listen. Listen to everything they do on it because I think it's a really good album. So. Oh yeah, I strongly recommend anybody who wasn't familiar with this, like like Ray and I were not. Mm-hmm. If you have any kind of uh, love of prog metal, power metal, Iron Maiden, Queensrÿche type stuff, boy, this is going to be right up your alley. Big time. Strongly man. recommend Big it. Time. And, and Todd Latore, the current Queensrÿche singer. Uh, did this thing with he did replace Midnight in this band too. I don't know if he knew that. So I did know that. Yeah, Queensrÿche got him from this band, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and also a, a little uh, post-it note at Midnight. Um, after he left uh, Crimson Glory in 1991, uh, after the third album, Strange and Beautiful, uh, he actually recorded a, a small number of solo albums as well. Uh, Cicada from 2005, which was released on uh, Black Lotus Records, and also uh, uh, back in 2005. Uh, Black Lotus, uh, Black Lotus actually folded. I, I'm, it also says right there on Wikipedia that uh, Midnight was supposed to re-record all the vocal tracks uh, for uh, Astronomica, the fourth album from 1999, and uh, there was also they were supposed to start working on a fifth album uh, with the uh, with the original lineup as well. But unfortunately, Black Lotus folded, and uh, all all this just w- uh, was just thrown to the wind. And unfortunately, no, nothing ended up coming of it. So Midnight kind of left, and uh, the band just kind of you know kind of like fell off the face of the earth and. It's just it's just been in like this constant state of hiatus uh, ever since the late '90s. But uh, Midnight also had uh, also had another album called All Souls Midnight, which actually features a, a couple tracks uh, re-recorded uh, in completely different versions off of the, off of Transcendence, um, Painted Skies. Uh, they actually, there, there's a real cool version of Painted Skies on there. He actually sings a duet with John Oliva of uh, Sabotage and Trans Siberian Orchestra, and it's just John playing this really haunting piano. 
and uh, the two and, and uh, John and Midnight just just, just trade off vocals. I mean, if, if you get, if, yeah, I definitely recommend checking the track out. It, it's a it's a really cool song. Is that on YouTube? Oh uh, yeah, it should be a bit, it should be on YouTube. Okay. Then uh, do you have that, those? Do you own those Midnight Solar Records, Dan? Yeah, I own those Midnight Solar Records. And yeah. you you recommend them? Yeah, um, but uh, but uh, it, it, some of the stuff on the one album on Black Lotus, so the title is Cicada. Some of the songs are kind of out there. I mean, and, and the very, lyrics, very, out they're there. very, very weird. Yeah. But uh, but there's also there's also a three disc anthology of uh, of like with twelve songs in each disc. So it's like three albums worth of material. It was just called M, right? I, no, that no M was uh, M was an EP that was released. You just went by Amlo. That's, yeah, that's I, gonna... I, I don't I don't remember the name of this uh, triple of the triple album, but uh, I I think it was like it was it was it was a posthumous release of of, of, of basically a, a three disc anthology of, of all of his solo recordings. All right, it's funny because like I was flipping through stuff, just uh, reading up on the band, and were any of those? I was like, a, was like a straight acoustic album? Was the M album like an acoustic album? Uh, the M album, I. I don't. I don't think I ever heard that. That that is like one of the only. I think it was like a six or seven track EP. I I've never actually heard that particular release, so I honestly don't know. It was kind of interesting because I read this one thing. It was an interview with this guy named Matt Laporte, and he the way he was describing it, like because you know M kind of or Midnight kind of went to like people that were where the hell is Midnight? And he just kind of like dropped off the radar for a little bit, and uh, they they caught up with him and they were doing some recording with him, and they were like uh, there was some bad blood between him and Drenning. Like he claimed. Like he would write songs, and then Drenning would take it. He basically like what Willie Dixon used to do to, to Buddy Guy. Um, he, he would like change one thing in the song, and then want like to get like a bunch of percentage of the writing credit and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that played into their <laughs> their eventual <laughs> not working together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I thought that was kind of interesting. Now we'd like to thank our two co-pilots who came on this adventure with us: Rob Bork and Dan Maytash. Rob, thanks for picking this album and hanging out with us. Hell if you've yeah. got any plugs or something you want to promote, fire away. Uh, I would say if you're ever in the Niagara Falls, New York area, stop by uh, Music Matters. It's a record store. We sell CDs, record, vinyl records, uh, cassettes, DVDs, Blu-rays, video games. Um, what else do we sell here, Dan? Uh, not the... Uh, you're you're in here eight times a week, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> your best customer. <laughs> yeah, actually, I am one of Rob's best customers. All right, you're like Norm from Cheers, huh? <laughs> yes. Uh, Five twenty-seven Cuga Drive, uh, Niagara Falls, New York, one four three zero four. MusicMattersNY.com is our is my lame website. Just basically. Uh, directions to the store and address and stuff like that um and thank you so much ray and aaron of course uh for having us having me on and uh i will pick one of my i picked this album for dan because he loves this album i like this album a lot too uh but maybe someday we can come back and do another album and i'll I'll, I'll, oh for sure oh please do man this is awesome Dan, the same goes for you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And if you have anything you want to tell the listeners about, go for it. Oh, uh, yeah. No, again, uh, I love coming here to Rob's store. He's turned me on to, like, so much awesome music. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Al, um, a British folk rock musician, Al Stewart. I, I, I love him almost as much as I love Crimson Glory. Uh, oh, you're the cat. No can you not, yeah. man? Fuck yeah. I love Al Stewart. Um, some of my other favorite bands, uh, pirate, uh, German pirate metal band, Running Wild. Again, uh, they just I, I, I love them. Uh, I love them for the same reason I love Crimson Glory. Just 
they just got this awesome escapist feel that I love, and they got great lyrical writing, and just uh, it's 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 like it's, it's like audiobooks. I mean that that's 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 my favorite. That those are my favorite types of artists. I mean I, I like you know fantasy, science fiction, classic literature, just you know art music that can, that can just literally just take me to those types of realms. Hey Dad, what's your what's your name on uh, on YouTube? War. Oh my uh, my uh, my YouTube channel. Uh, YouTube, it's uh, yeah. Warhawk eighty one eight two. I got about uh, 15 videos posted there. Three, three Crimson Glory ones. Right? Yeah, four Crimson Glory oh, ones, four. and uh, four of them, and four of them use uh, running uh, songs by Running Wild. Do you um, keep adding to it? Is it active uh, channel? I haven't, I haven't added anything recently, but it's just I, I can't. I'm, I'm trying to find a, a decent computer I can use to get back in video editing in there. But yeah, I've got, um, yeah, it, it's, it's basically I, I mix obscure rock and metal uh, songs with uh, just some of my favorite animated. Uh, TV shows and movies and whatnot. Disney, so. Disney stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I actually I have a uh, I have a, I have a video from I I wanted to I actually I wanted to make a video of uh, Frozen to a Lady of Winter and I started to work on it but my computer ended up crapping out and I haven't been able to. Replace oh, dude, you got to do that, man. Yeah, please, dude, yeah. got to do it, <laughs> please, man. But um, I I did make a Frozen video to an Uli John Roth song. Oh, uh, which, holy shit. Yeah, it's 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 called Elsa and Anna Winter Days. So it's it's. And it that's actually, on the channel. That's on the channel too. Yeah. All right. What's your, what's your highest view on? Uh, my my highest uh, my highest video actually has uh, I think two hundred twenty thousand hits. Uh, Morgan Morgan Eins, uh she's a video game character, a succubus from uh, Darkstalkers. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, and I, I use a song called Black Wings of Death, which fits her perfectly, and that song's by Running Wild. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast at places like iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Google Play, and Spotify. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review of it. If you take the time to do that, we'll read your review right here on the show. If you'd like to contact us directly, we can be reached at RidiculousRockRecords at gmail.com and also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page, where there's a link to hear each podcast, including the Album Addicts branch of the show. You can also recommend the show on Facebook if you prefer to do it that way. And yes, we'll read your Facebook recommendation on the podcast. You want to come on the podcast and talk about an album with us? Shoot us an email. We'll set it up. We're always looking for co-pilots to host the show with us. And we would also welcome any requests or suggestions for albums to cover. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places I just described. We'd love to hear from you. So for Album Addicts, I'm Aaron. I'm Ray. See ya. Mr. Dan, oh sh- fuck, dude.
Well, we already did our work. Uh, you know, our work is done here. So I guess good night. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all there is. He's preaching. Can I get a witness <laughs> to the crimson glory? I'm screwing up right now. This is a, this is about crimson glory, not about. Crimson hey, glory. listen, dude. We're we're having a conversation. I'll edit this all together to make it to make it yeah. fit the podcast format. But you you want to go off on a tangent? You go right ahead. Okay. So, so there's no time constraints. We can go out to like three, three in the morning. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can work tomorrow, don't you? No, not me, man. Oh, you know, like observe tomorrow. Stuff. Yeah, that's sure right. Can, man. <laughs> right. I get my free meal at Applebee's. I'm good. I'm <laughs> drunk right now, man. <laughs> you know my favorite thing to get out of a Taco Bell burritos is no. <laughs> that was good, man. Thanks. You, you know my favorite baseball shit. team is. <laughs> It's not my favorite, my favorite baseball thing. Red Sox! Red <laughs> 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 Sorry, I had to get that in there. I sent him like, like three texts. Dude! Wow, there we go. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> I might have been trying it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to punch myself several times in the flan talk to get to <laughs>